Good morning and welcome back to Living Electric. That's my news channel voice. <laughs> no, if you guys can't tell, it is early on a Friday morning. Alex and I literally just woke up like 40 minutes ago. So got the groggy voice going on. We're still waking up, but got our coffee. That's right. That's right. You drinking anything yeah. special this morning? Or uh, You know, normally I do drink like special drinks, but today I'm just drinking oat milk and cold brew. Gotcha. But, do you yeah, like buy your I mean, cold it, brew like, or do you make it or like... We make it. There? Okay. Yeah, we, we make it at home. We actually just bought bourbon infused uh, coffee beans Ooh. and uh, from Costco, of course. Of course. And uh, <laughs> they have um, vanilla infused bourbon coffee, maple, and then like normal, like regular bourbon. And uh, mixed with oat milk, it's delicious. Highly recommend it. Nice. Is it, is <laughs> yeah. it Kirkland what brand? You? Or? Uh, it is. I don't know the brand, but they they come in like little like tins that actually look like bourbon barrels, which is kind of interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I'll send you a photo later. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I actually brought a prop so I could show everybody. But I my go to coffee is this uh, this local coffee called uh, from Backroom Coffee Roasters. I shouted them out on Instagram a couple times, so you might have seen. Oh, nice! But this Mexican Altura coffee is some of the best I've had. It's like. Got dark chocolate and peanut kind of flavor hints in it, which is perfect for me. Like, I'm a sucker for peanut butter and chocolate, so... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like having a little treat every morning. It's great. Yeah. So, so those flavors, like, come through? Like, just oh, in, for like, sure. a black yeah. cup of coffee? Yeah. Yeah. It's really oh, good. That's awesome. What what kind of roast is it? I know that this isn't, like, a coffee podcast, <laughs> but... <laughs> it's all good. I'm sure we got some coffee fanatics in the, in the audience here. It's just a medium roast, so... Okay. Yeah. They balanced. do it by roast, acidity, and uh, and body. It's medium, oh. medium on all of them. So, oh, nice. I don't know what a lot of that means, but it's good. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, being a former barista, I mean, well, I worked at Starbucks, but I learned a lot about coffee. That's right. like a really good like balance. Like gotcha. you get like a mixture of like the acidity with the stronger taste. It's right. not. You know, like you're literally sipping coffee out of an ashtray, like some coffee can be. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've realized a lot of people like don't like coffee because they've had really crappy coffee that's super acidic and bitter. And it's like, well, yes. that's why you don't like it because yeah. <laughs> like, you're naturally <laughs> naturally don't like those flavors. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's why I like cold brew because it really, you know, kind of drops that that's acidic a lot of that. level. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All acidity makes it a little bit more balanced, but more flavorful. And plus then like you can chug it like what we talked about pre-show right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly when you're in a rush <laughs> that's right but well as we try to wake up we have a few exciting topics that we're talking about today um yeah you which want me one to do you want go to go through them or you want to just start with the first one uh we could start with the first one uh okay. you want to start with local charging stations yeah so Brandon called me in a panic earlier this week. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a panic. No, it was it was a total panic. <laughs> I'm like, I need help. <laughs> yeah. You texted me and I got concerned immediately because you said, Hey, call me when you have a chance. I need I need advice on something. And I was like, Oh no. Like oh, no. either like really exciting opportunity or something's gone terribly wrong or something. <laughs> but Try to stay positive. Um, well, at least I, at least I didn't start off with "we need to talk." That's yeah, the we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Living electric hasn't been going great, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I feel like we've been joking about ending this show for a few episodes <laughs> yeah. now, but we're not. We're going to keep going. Right. right. <laughs> but um, yeah. but yeah. So what's going on? I'll let sh- I'll 
we'll hear it from your view. What's what's been going on, and why did you give me this this frantic call last week? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll start off with the story really fast. Um, so, and I, I think you you already know this story. I think I've mentioned it before, but. Back in 2015, when I worked at Tesla, I was really interested in like expanding like the charging infrastructure, um, right. which back then it's obviously it wasn't what it was like what it is now. You know, the yeah. infrastructure has just like literally exploded across the country, which is great to see. Yep. Um, but I was a huge advocate for pushing charging stations, especially in like my hometown of Twinsburg, Ohio. And I was really excited to, you know, um, present, like, information I knew at the time. I was very green to the industry. So, like, literally, I put together this really bad PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> um, but looking back, it was, you know, cool part of my story. And um, I presented it to the city council, you know, just raising awareness and, like, bringing up reasons why they should install charging stations for, you know, people who are coming through, the community, you know, residents that don't have charging spots. Um, but back then, there wasn't many electric vehicles on the road. Right. Um, so fast forward to 2019, I got this message from my mom going, look what Twinsburg installed. And it was a charging station. And it was such a surprise to me because nobody had, like, communicated that this was even in the works to me. Right. Because I had moved, you know, like, I just wasn't as active in the community. So um, it was a really great surprise. Well, fast forward until this week. We received an email basically stating that the city council had decided that they will be powering off the charging stations and essentially removing them from the ground because they've come to realize that based on their experience with some of the with the network that they're connected to and that only essentially nine users are have used it over the past three, you know, plus years. Um, So the pilot program didn't exactly reflect as well as they thought it would. And um, they are ripping them out of the ground, but leaving the conduit uh, still there for future installs. Yeah. Um, so that's why I called you in a panic, because at the time I didn't know the details until yeah. I went to the city council meeting that night. So in which I actually don't think I really told you the what I found out. No, I'd be interested to hear. But before we get to that, I think the yeah. that is a concern, I think, from a lot of EV drivers is like, and just like people installing charging in the first place is like, the uh, the utilization might not be as high initially as they're expecting. It sounds like these have been around for three years, though, so I'm kind of surprised that utilization hasn't ticked up. But granted, um, I saw Mariah left a comment on your Facebook post that, like, we've had, like, nobody's been traveling or going out <laughs> the past yeah. like, year and a half, <laughs> so that might contribute to it, too. Um, but, yeah, I think there's just a lot of factors that go into it, and it's hard to, like, pass judgment so quickly. It- yeah, like three years sounds like a long time, but like it's really not, <laughs> for, well, it, especially given conditions of everything. So yeah, yeah, I was about to mention especially everything that happened because they literally went live in the fall of 2019, and then the pandemic hit, and you know the spring of 2020. Yeah. So like, of course, you know, during these past two ish years, it's been like a weird time where people are are starting to travel more. Right. But during the majority of that pilot program, people were at home, you know, yeah. people weren't out and about. So like, <laughs> right. Right. yeah. So it was, um, it was really interesting to like go and sit at the city council meeting and get a chance to speak to the, to the members. Um, and, uh, the good news is, well, good and bad news. So the bad news is, is that they will still be powering off the charger starting January 2nd and they'll be taking them out of the ground sometime in the second or third quarter of next year. The good news is, 
is that I will be actively working with the city council to provide advice to make the next program better, um, which is the experience I didn't have back in 2015 because I was so new right. to the industry. Um, awesome. So. I have a meeting with their economic director on Monday to go over some like more details and like some more ideas that we can make the the program better, um, which is exciting. But I, I found out that the um, the NOPEC grant that they use to install the charging stations. Yeah. And if you're not familiar, well, you might actually have more details on this with with NOPEC. Um, I don't personally. Like you, so. Oh, okay. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, NOPEC, um, I believe, is a utility based in Ohio, I think, right? I have it. What's that? I, is it, uh, does it's, it stand it's for something? N-O- yeah, it's a, it's a acronym. It's a, they're not saying on their website, but it's a <laughs> N-O-P-E-C. I might actually have to look into this, but I do know that they provide grants to um, electrify different like implementation. So like it might be like something for your home or, you know, for like public charging stations. So they work with like a lot of municipalities to install charging stations. Gotcha. Well, what I found out by sitting at the at the meeting is that the NOPAC grant was actually only meant to be for one year. And mm. it was um, only mainly to install the charging stations and to get them to go live. The rest of the, the cost remained on the city. Gotcha. Now, the city made a mistake by leaving the charging stations free for three years. So right. they didn't recoup any of the costs that they were about to see, yeah. um, you know, from like network licensing fees, you know, like any repairs, which I found out they had to repair the cables nine times, um, which is a lot of money, which, uh, you know, yeah. you're, yeah, <laughs> you're familiar yeah, with. Yeah, it's at least a few hundred dollars every time. So yeah, that adds up. Yeah. So yeah, b- basically throughout the pilot program between licensing fees with shell recharge and, you know, like the repair costs for like the equipment they installed, it actually added up to 50% of what the grant was. So oh, like it, overall <laughs> they got like $30,000 and it ended up like about $16,000 of just repairs and like everything else. My goodness. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it kind of sucks. You know, yeah. I'll be honest. Like, I have a few friends that don't have home charging that rely on these chargers. Um, Seriously? Some mista- wow. Some, yeah, yeah. And some Dang. mistakes were obviously made in this pilot program, but right. it, it's good that they're at least open to to keep it going in the future. Make it yeah, better. that's good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely positives and negatives there. I think that kind of is a good encapsulation of what happens with a lot of these installations is either it was rushed or not fully thought through. You've got maybe not the right decision makers kind of like deciding things and designing things. Um, Not to like judge anybody, but I think we've seen firsthand in the industry is like a lot of non EV drivers are making these decisions, which like nothing against them, but I think it's very hard to understand what drivers are going through until you actually are an EV driver so that uh that certainly can contribute but it's good to hear that they are open to suggestions and like you said you have a lot more experience in all this now you can provide great information for them so looking yeah. forward for an, for an update on that yeah <laughs> in a few weeks yeah, here. Absolutely. we'll have to update the audience as it as it goes on yeah yeah but but you know the one thing i i do want to say before we move to the next topic i just it, it's funny because like now being in this industry, like all the connections I now have to help me make this better of you, for example, you know, like sending you a text and jumping on a call to get more background information on, you know, yeah, certain things. Exactly. And, 
you know, like all, all like my list of ideas, like I have contacts that like we can reach out to, to like make this program better. And like, right. I'm working with um, one of my friends who's part of Drive Electric Northeast Ohio, who has three EVs and is a big proponent within the Twinsburg community to make this better. So like, we're, we're really diving in deep to improve this, but it's a team effort, you know, like it, it takes everybody to make this better. Definitely. So. Yeah. So thank you for jumping on a call. I'm sorry I worried you. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I always I always try to do the thing where I'm like, everything's okay, but do you have time to chat? Or everything's yeah. okay, but <laughs> I, I might call just, me. I, I might just send the, we need to talk with like a smiling emoji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really send mixed messages there. Yeah. Passive aggressive smileys always yeah. go over well. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. But I'll keep everybody posted as things go. It's probably going to be months before, you know, Anything gets put re put in the ground or re inputted, reinstalled or resubmitted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the nice thing. Like I will say, just to give some more context or background, all this is like it is nice that if a charger is having it an issue, generally a majority of the costs. Uh, unfortunately, in this case, it was repairs for the the stations, which shouldn't yeah. be the the case. But in most cases, it's that upfront installation that is a majority of the cost. So the fact that they have electric ran out there already makes the the case for installing new charging that's maybe done a little bit better maybe has like i don't know did these have cable management or anything like uh, no they were um well i i don't know if i want to like shout out the manufacturer but like they, we don't have to, they yeah it's okay. they were literally on pedestals that had like a little shelf and the cables were they were thick like they were almost like yeah. dc fast charging thick cables so like yeah. So, it, I mean, for most drivers, they would just insert it and then just leave it on the ground. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, but I mean, in this case, it's it's a lot easier to install charging when the electrical infrastructure is there. Yes. I think that's that's yeah. like the biggest piece a lot of people miss. Um that and the software side of things. <laughs> when yes. I'm generally yeah. talking to customers, it's like nobody understands how expensive electrical infrastructure is. Like in this case, that helps a ton and then obviously the software side as well, where you can kind of proactively monitor a lot of this stuff. So you know when they're mm -hmm. going offline, you can see the charging sessions, you can see who's having issues, all that stuff remotely. So, yeah. 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 But it's, it's now interesting finally being a part of this. You know, like I, I kind of wish that between 2015 and 2019, even though I didn't have the knowledge that I do now, I wish that they would have at least reached out to like, you know, establish right. this. But like another, another point I want to make before we make to, you know, move to the next one. Uh, is, um, you know, between 2019 and 2020, the majority of models were Teslas, you know, like Tesla vehicles, like there was yep. the Volt, the Leaf, the Volt, and like a handful of other plugins. Right. But it wasn't really until 2021 and now where we saw the vast majority of EVs being introduced <laughs> to the market. You right. know, yep. the Mach-E wasn't out, the Lightning wasn't out, you know, all yep. the Hyundai, Kia products, you know, were just still being introduced. So, right. Yeah. It's um I'm I'm glad that they're at least open to it and the great thing is that the economic director for Twinsburg is from uh, the West Coast, so oh, okay. she has all that knowledge for sustainable you know projects. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll make this better. I'm sure of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Good news. I'm I'm optimistic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am too. I wasn't at first, but I am now. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so next topic is our. Uh... If anybody has been on uh, on social media recently or seen the news, Tesla has come out with a new product uh, called Tesla Electric, and kind of the the SparkNotes version of it is 
they're essentially kind of launching their own electric utility it kind of sounds like at least that's how they're positioning it in the market so instead of paying you know like in our case we pay like our our local electric co-op <laughs> instead of instead of paying them we would be paying paying tesla for our electricity service so they're kind of wrapping in not only electric service but also like power wall solar all that stuff to kind of mm -hmm. not only sell you electricity but also manage your essentially what are like battery assets and grid assets if you're grid connected right so very interesting stuff i think i'm curious your, yes. your takes on yeah. it and then i'll i'll give my thoughts <laughs> yeah yeah no i i think it's it's cool i mean so uh you know they're starting off in texas right now by mm -hmm. i believe invite only you have to request more information on this but um I, I think it's cool that Tesla's taking that ecosystem. Like, I kind of saw this from the beginning. You know, like, they were going to yeah. move from vehicles to more, like, home energy, um, which I think was part of their big plan, um, was to introduce something along these lines. Um, yeah. I, I think it. I think it's it's really cool. Um, I think I know probably what you're going to say regarding the Texas, like, you know, grid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or the grid in Texas. <laughs> so I, I won't steal your thunder there, but... I think it's going to be very beneficial for people who live in the state of Texas um, if they can afford something like this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Texas grid is interesting because it's uh, it's essentially on an island <laughs> as its own kind of electric system compared to the rest of the U.S. So any power line that's going into Texas, essentially like it's an interconnection if that's kind of the industry term is like there's an interconnect between like i don't know like oklahoma and texas if there's a power line going to it um where there's not as much uh not as much like cross i don't know how to say that properly but like cross connection yeah there's not a lot of like uh Crossover? Know, coordination or whatever between like texas and the rest of the country on the electrical grid so like unfortunately mm -hmm. what we saw in texas like in the past few years with all the snow and like ice storms they had as their grid like essentially went down because they couldn't get power from other states because they're like oh no we, we run our own power system <laughs> so yeah. like it really puts them in a bad spot and that's really the the power of no, no pun intended but that's the power of the the electrical grid is that it is modular you can redirect power if certain lines go down certain states are having issues other states can then send power to them with these really long transmission lines so mm -hmm. i first off i think texas needs to kind of rethink their <laughs> their electrical grid um <laughs> to, yeah. to figure that out um but also i think tesla sees this as a huge opportunity to be like hey let's let's skip texas interconnecting and kind of coordinating with other utilities and just provide more local assets so like in this case it's home batteries and home solar to power the homes so you're not worried about you know even if the the transmission line is down or your your utility is down you've still got energy to power your home so mm -hmm. i i just think it's going to be a great way to make their grid better like more yeah. resilient is that the right industry term? Resilient? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because you can kind of ride the, the peaks and valleys of <laughs> if there's not enough not enough uh, capacity to like power homes and the battery can kick on and help that. Or, hey, another home <clears throat> a few streets down needs power. You, can, you don't have to pull it from a generating an oil facility or, or coal facility <laughs> that's hundreds of miles yeah. away. You can just pull it from somebody else's house. So yeah. 
Yeah. I think it makes things I, a lot more, makes a lot more sense to me, I think. I think, don't they, isn't the term called like a virtual grid? Is that what they call this? Virtual power plant. Yeah. Virtual power plant. Okay. Okay. We should do a whole episode on that. I think that that'd be really interesting. But yeah, virtual power plant, plant is kind of the term that, that a lot of people use. And it basically what that means is instead of having what I just explained, you have these giant uh, generating facilities that are coal or natural gas powered or even solar or wind, these giant facilities that are producing all that energy, they're then sending it hundreds of miles to all these houses. And it's this huge system. Whereas with the, the virtual power plant, it's not truly virtual because it's not like power in the cloud or anything like that, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's controlling all those, those power assets in the cloud. So it's saying, okay, like we need power. We need more power in this area. All these homes actually have a surplus of battery storage right now. Let's, let's, let's uh let's use some of that battery battery energy and push it over there so <laughs> yeah that's kind of what that that's how i i interpret kind of the virtual power plant setup okay so. yeah that that makes sense i'm i'm excited for this you know i i hope that this is a good test for tesla in right. texas to like push this out to like other states because yeah. i could see where this would be needed i mean like i know that the texas power grid is on the weaker side um, just because of how it's like set up. So I'm hoping that this makes it more resilient for citizens right. in Texas or Texans. Right. Um, but I'm hoping that we see this elsewhere because this would be great for people to take control of their own energy production and like how they right. sell it and buy it, you know, instead exactly. of relying on, on, um, certain utilities. I won't say right. like the one in Cleveland, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> all the scandals here. You can look it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh. I've seen even like already in California, like people make money if they have a power wall because they sell energy yeah. back to the grid when it's more expensive and they buy it when it's cheaper. So, I mean, that's exactly yeah. what what not only home batteries can do is kind of help ride out those waves in the in the power grid, but also I think EVs eventually will do something similar. So yes. we've already seen this with, you know, the the ford lightning they're kind of marketing that as a, a capability of the truck that it can power your home if your power goes out um not truly like vehicle to grid at that point it's more kind of vehicle to home but i think that's definitely a direction we're headed but i'm curious to your thoughts on that because i know some people are kind of skeptical of like using their their transportation as a grid asset <laughs> if that makes sense so yeah yeah well okay so my my thoughts are if it's done right then good. If not, then obviously, you know, there's room for improvement. But um, I mean, I, th I think one of the best things about EVs that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about is that they're literally just a large energy source in a way. Yeah. You know, once the electricity is stored in the battery pack, you either utilize it for driving or it just sits there. Yeah. So like, you know, you could really be taking advantage of powering other things. Mm -hmm. um, but it has to be done right. Um, right. so, um, and you know, I, like, I know a lot of companies that are implementing like vehicle to grid or vehicle to load there. You, one of the best things is that like, as your vehicle sitting there overnight and say, for example, like the power goes out, your vehicle could feed back into your home to power it. Mm -hmm. And then when the power comes back on, your car can start charging again to recoup that, you know, that loss. Right. Um, but it has to be done right. You know, for example, like the. Uh, the Kia and Hyundai products that offer like the V2L or vehicle to load adapter, 
we tripped it using a toaster because <laughs> yeah, we were trying to that. test it. And <laughs> it. It used too much power, you know, right. so it tripped it. But you could still power like a low, um, like a, a low usage um, refrigerator. Like I've seen people who have lost power, power like freezer units and refrigerators, which is great. You know, you right. get to keep your food. Uh, and so the energy you know, electricity comes back on. So right. I think it all depends on how it's done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think the the concern and I completely get it is like, if my power goes out, do I also want to like risk not being able to drive anywhere? <laughs> like yeah. if I'm then using my battery in my car, but I think, like you said, I think some people um, maybe don't think about just how big some of these batteries are <laughs> like, and how little energy like your house takes compared to like driving or yeah. some of these other things. Like there's a, like in my car for example i've got a 75 kilowatt hour battery i'd have to look at my like electricity bill but like non-ev charging that probably like covers me for a few days if not more oh <laughs> so, sure yeah like your power your yeah. powering kind of your electrical usage for like a pretty extended period you'd have to be running it exclusively off your car for like probably a week before you're eating into like not being able to drive anywhere yeah <laughs> and i yeah, think I those think... systems would be set up to like have a reserve energy so like the kia for example yeah has that reserve energy where it's like when i'm using v2l don't go below 30 percent on my battery so you still have that reserve there yeah yeah i i think i mean i've never tested like the uh vehicle to grid features that like the f-150 lightning offers yeah um is that technically vehicle to grid or is that vehicle to load I don't think so. So all it does is when power goes out on your house, there's like an auto transfer switch that switches power from coming from the grid to the car, to the truck. So it's basically just oh, flipping that switch over to the truck. It's not necessarily like back feeding the grid. So, Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I've seen the term V2X, which I actually don't know what the X stands for. Like I've seen that before. V to X, X is just kind of a, like, could be anything. So, like, a v, oh, okay. V to X is just, like, a catch-all for grid, for home, for load, for all that stuff. So God, Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, omni-electric is that. Exactly. That's what I call it. Yeah. It's <laughs> right. everything. Right. <laughs> it's everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I've seen, like, um, you know, Ford claim, like, with the full charge on, like, the lightning extended range, you know, with the bigger battery pack, you can, I, I believe it was Ford, you can essentially charge your, or power your house for 21 days. Or that might actually be the the um, Chevy Silverado EV that's coming out. Okay. I think I might be getting those mixed up. But one of yeah. those, they yeah, one of those, they said that you can power your home up to almost three weeks on wow. a full charge. Um, <laughs> so, which is which is crazy. I mean, hopefully you wouldn't lose power for three weeks, but right. who knows with like how right. some storms are coming through. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like I, it's interesting. Like, there's been times where we've lost power in our house. And it's cold, and I'm like, let's just go sit in the Tesla and right. you know, like watch a movie and like you know run some heat while we wait for the power to come back on. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think vehicles as grid assets, like you said, it's just got to be done carefully. I think the better way to do it, instead of saying like, I think power going out and using your car as a backup power is kind of an extreme scenario that like mm -hmm. might not have a huge impact on the grid um long term at least i think short term the best way to do things is to use cars and 
control when they are charging and not charging. So we've seen this with a lot of utilities already is they'll have kind of a home charger program where they're like, hey, we will sell you a discounted home charger and we will be able to control, you know, how much power is going out of that charger when you're charging. If we have like events where we're kind of tracking and we're going to hit our demand, like our peak of capacity on the grid, we'll be able to throttle back all those chargers and say, okay, we're actually limiting on the, all the charging right now because we're at peak peak demand. So mm-hmm. just controlling that similar to like, we had a smart thermostat in our old apartment um, that we got for essentially free from our utility and they could control our HVAC and our heat so that we weren't using as much energy during certain times. So very similar thing that kind of smooths out the the demand curve for utilities. So I, I wish I had like a graph to show because that's usually what I show people yeah. is like <laughs> power, like demand from the grid is not flat throughout the day. You've got this huge spike, you know, in the morning when people are like getting ready, like making their coffee, they're turning on lights in the morning, all that stuff. It kind of goes down a little bit in the morning after people get to work. Um, mm-hmm. But then it ramps up again around like 5 p.m. Because like you've got some people that are still at work with their lights on. And then you've got also people at home turning lights on and like starting stuff up at their house. And a lot of times in the way things are moving, people are going to be plugging in their cars at that same time. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> not only are you just turning on lights, which is kind of a small load, you're plugging in these giant batteries that need charged. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> got all this pool on the, the grid at the same time. So if you can delay that charging a little bit, handle all that overnight when load is the absolute lowest or demand, I guess, is the absolute lowest. Like that's going to have a huge impact because. Oh yeah. uh, Peak uh, or like the cars charging are not necessarily the issue. It's the grid not having the capacity to charge them all at once, like at peak hours. Like that's not possible, but if we shift it back a couple hours, then (laughs) it's it's doable. (laughs) So. So I, I have a few follow-up questions for you. Yeah, do sorry, you, I'm, I'm you, rambling again. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're good. You're good. You got my, my gears turning. So um, my, my first question, do you think as we push out more grid like improvements and like we start really focusing on like improving the grid, do you think we would ever get to the point where that wouldn't be a necessity for utilities to do? To delay like charging on vehicles? Yeah, and, like, control, like, your HVAC and stuff like that to, like, reduce power usage. So utilities are really smart, and they're really good. They've got a ton of data on what our, like, demand is going to look like from as consumers. Like, they can track basically, like, almost down to the, like, <laughs> like very closely, like, how much energy we're going to use. Um when I worked at AEP, I got to see a lot of that like firsthand. It's very cool what the like kind of operations people look at and are tracking. They essentially do like a day ahead forecast of what oh, they wow. think the grid is going to yeah. look like every single day. Like there, there's a whole team of people that are looking at that their whole workday and saying, "Hey, here's what tomorrow is going to look like <laughs> based on weather, based on you know like just trends in general, like all this stuff. It's crazy." Wow. Um, so they know it. They know kind of what's coming, and they're also going to do whatever's possible, like through those programs, so that they don't have to invest more in the infrastructure and save money, right? So yeah, yeah. ultimately that's that's better for the customers because the more you invest in the infrastructure, your, your electricity bill goes up. They don't necessarily want that. They want to keep it. They want to keep it consistent. They don't. They don't want to constantly be raising rates because people don't like that. Um, 
So ideally, we do the most possible with the little, with the least amount of infrastructure. So that's where I'm okay. kind of saying, I think no matter what, um, I think we're still going to have those programs because it is ultimately better for the grid if we can kind of flatten out that demand curve yeah. as much as possible. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying no, to think that, of a good that... analogy, but that's i only know it in the <laughs> the utility yeah. sense <laughs> yeah so. no i mean that's an interesting take like there's like this is a lot of good insight for me because like i've never really you know worked in that industry so like i don't have right. that background knowledge right but like to me that's almost like it, it almost explains like why the grid in certain locations are in the state that they are because right. instead of being proactively improving things which i understand like there's costs associated with that yeah. there tends it seems like there's a bit more like reaction to like how things are you know like happening which right. you know you bring in the data trends and so forth so it's uh that's a really interesting take like it definitely explains why some things happen the way they do with right. power grid <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah. I'm trying to think of an analogy. I'm, the best I can come up with is like if you're hiking, for example, like the easiest hike is just like a flat walk, right? <laughs> it's yeah. not downhill. It's not <laughs> uphill or anything like that. You're not going to super high altitudes, anything like that. So the ideal, uh, you know, hike for a uh, for a person is just a flat walk. So the ideal <laughs> hike for a utility essentially is also flat. Um, yeah. granted it's not perfect so there's going to be some there's going to be some hills there's going to be some valleys all that stuff um but they want to avoid you know going to those super high altitudes they want to stop they want to avoid going down super low um so the most they can kind of flatten that out i think is the <laughs> the easiest yeah. route for them if that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah no that that totally makes sense well that that leads me to my next question for you um, and this is going to be more an, a, an opinion question. Yeah. I would like your opinion on how utilities can step in and can control certain like smart devices that are installed at a home. Yeah. Because I know it tends to be pretty controversial where some people are just like, well, I don't want my AC to be set to 76. <laughs> like right. I want to be comfortable. So like, yeah. I would love your take on that because we don't have that here in Cleveland. Yeah. It's, it's definitely kind of a utilities call. Um, generally when they do those things there's always the option to opt out so generally there's a monetary benefit to opting in um or there's a limit to how many times you can opt out that sort of thing um but i think the alternative is like you don't want your electricity rates to go up and you also don't want your power to go out so <laughs> i think people don't realize like how much kind of collective like coordination is necessary for utilities to get power to your house like there's so much that goes on to get power to your house like the fact that we keep lights on like 99 plus percent of the time is pretty incredible based on yeah all the tech that's behind it so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and just all the issues generally like utilities run into day to day so i think you're right. We don't want to completely take away like people's freedom to set the thermostat to whatever they want. But I think you've just got to keep that perspective of like, generally the utility is kind of doing you a, a service by like, in our case, it was a like essentially free smart thermostat. I think we had maybe like three different events, three or four different events over the past year or so that it was like, Hey, we've got, it's really freaking hot right now. <laughs> your, uh, your thermostat is going to be turned up a little bit because like, we've got this big surge on the grid right now. We want to make sure that everything stays safe, all that stuff. The nice thing our thermostat did too, was actually pre, uh, cool our home. So oh. 
That's nice. It said, oh, there's a, this event starting in three hours. Because usually they give you some notice. It's not just like out of the blue, too. Yeah. And it'll say, okay, we're pre-cooling it actually below what you've set your your thermostat at. So when that event happens for this, you know, three-hour window, we're not going to be using as much energy. But your house is already going to be cooler than it needs to be. So I think similar to that, it's like EVs could do a similar thing. It's like, oh, we've got this event starting at whatever. Let's Let's bump up the charge rate as much as possible get as charged as we can and then yeah we'll do that event either drop it down low or stop charging and then start charging when that event happens yeah. again so yeah yeah you just you just brought up a really good point to switch back to like evs yeah um you know like the, i i feel like the more we like the more tyler and i experience like a lot of like newer evs and you know you've had a lot of your hands-on experience with you know some new evs as well there's a lot of mixture between like software and like how certain things are handled based on like how the manufacturer is implementing it. So I think that that would be really cool if they could implement that, but I almost feel like that would have to come from the charging station itself, not the vehicle, because we've driven some vehicles where the software is just horrible yeah. in terms of like, <laughs> you know, either being outdated, they're not keeping, you know, it's right. not up to date, even though it right. has a cell. Well, the perfect example is our bolts. You know, mm -hmm. like it had over the air software updates, but in three years of ownership, we never received a single update. So okay, like, well. I, I think it really <laughs> all depends on who's controlling it, but I almost feel like that would have to come from a connected charging station in order to control that. But um, I mean, we see it with Tesla, you know, like if there's a big weather event coming, they'll warn, you know, the, the driver, like there's, right. you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like wildfire, hurricane, you know, anything like that, they'll, they'll send a little notification. Out. Right yeah yeah it's it's interesting because there are kind of two ways to go about it you can either control the charger and limit load or limit power output whatever you want to call it um but you could also control it on the car so like i mentioned in previous shows are the car is ultimately controlling the charger at the end of the day um mm -hmm. the charger can say you know my max output is this but the car can limit it even further so yeah, it's, it, it could go either way. I think you're right, though. You do have to be careful because, like, what is the common denominator Denominator at the end of the day? It's not the vehicles because everybody's got a different type of car. Like, yeah. but the utility control can control, hey, you've got these three charger options. They've got a lot more control over that. So I think you're right. Yeah. That's really the, the best way to go about it is the, <laughs> is the charger itself. Yeah. Well, that depends if the, the government steps in, but we can save right. that for another conversation. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. But no, this has been really interesting. I'm glad that we talked about this. I think we should do more episodes focused on the grid and utilities because yeah. I, I think that it would be like as we normalize EVs and like have these like normal conversations to make people more comfortable with it. Right. I, there's a, an entire different element that people are so unfamiliar with and that's mm -hmm. where their power is coming from. And I think if we could normalize that and I mean, that's exactly what we do with Chargeway, you know, by partnering with utilities. Right. You know, since they're the new fuel provider, but we need to reach out to the people who are owning the vehicles, who are homeowners, you know, you know, you know, rental properties, like, you know, anything like that. Right. So, yeah, I think I think we should make that a series. I think starting Definitely. in episode 70. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we uh, my biggest thing I tell everybody is like if you're concerned about like your EV not being clean because you live in, you know, like West Virginia or even Ohio, where like a majority of our power comes from coal and natural gas, that's true. But you also have flexibility on how you power your car, right? So mm -hmm. 
gas vehicle can only ever be charged or only ever be fueled with gas, right? <laughs> I'm so well, stuck in the EV. I'm so stuck in the EV mindset. I like find no. myself talking about gas cars like they're oh. EVs. <laughs> I was about to make a Toyota joke because they always say self-charging hybrids. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. I'm going to start asking uh, gas drivers where they charge their car. <laughs> <laughs> Are there like, where do you go to like fuel this up? <laughs> yeah. How does that work? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that's really the, the power of EVs. And one of the major reasons I was interested in and bought one is like how flexible it is on fueling. Like it is truly fueling. You can charge it wherever there's electricity, right? <laughs> so yeah. if you've got electricity, you could charge an electric car, whether that's through, you know, a coal-powered plant that's sending electricity hundreds of miles, drop it into your local neighborhood, going through the grid and powering it through your house, or that's, you know, solar on your roof. <laughs> yeah. Like it, could, it could be powered so many different ways, and that, that flexibility and that kind of adaptability of EVs, I think, is what makes them really powerful at the end of the day so oh for sure yeah i like all these energy puns you keep dropping <laughs> <laughs> well, did i just say another one i completely missed it if i said it oh you said powerful i was like oh that's <laughs> it's a friday morning <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> no so. well let us know what you guys you know think about like having episodes that normalize how energy is discussed because i i, I personally think that it's really important to have those conversations you know i think a lot of our listeners are are people who you know work in the industry are are very interested in these topics that we're talking about right. but for like just everyday people i'm sure no i'm sure the vast majority of them just don't think about it you know it's not a thought that pops in their head so right it'd right. be cool to like brainstorm some way to educate on that so definitely definitely yeah. i will add one more thought before we wrap up here um i saw a post from i think falcon four on twitter i don't know if you follow him or not uh him or i'm her, terrible I'm with sure. usernames um, <laughs> but yeah the uh they uh they posted something about how somebody was like upset at them or not upset but like was kind of saying like oh your car is powered by coal or whatever and like oh evs mm. are bad whatever like kind of typical anti-ev stuff and he quickly shifted the conversation to like hey my car is actually like it's an energy independent thing like i can power it from local sources i'm not reliant on foreign oil to you know fuel up my car <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> i think that's a that's a big piece where you can really convert people that might be very anti-EV to kind of get them thinking like, oh, this is actually like something that's really reliable at the end of the day. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, not reliant on paying for fuel that I have no control over the cost of. I have no control over the production of like all of this stuff. Whereas again, electricity is very adaptable, like can come from many sources. <laughs> yeah, It's flexible. <laughs> like yeah. that's been a big push, I think, to convert, you know, um, especially Republicans, because like that's a main that's a main issue in their party is kind of this independence piece, which I mean I feel like it should be an issue for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> of like, yeah. hey, like <laughs> we do have to be independent. We have to be thinking about like the best interests of the U.S. And I think that that energy policy side and energy independence is a big way EVs can help, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, it's a big way you can kind of convert people that might be anti-EV. So. And to just tie tie quickly back into the beginning of this episode, I think a lot of this starts at the local level too. You oh, know, for like sure. It, yeah. Like, I, if you're tired of waiting for things to come from the top down, 
start at the local level. You know, right. start from the bottom up. Like you can right. have a massive impact on your local community if you're active. You know, if you advocate for like you know at your local government, anything right. like that. Even if you just install solar on your home, like you're still yep. doing a better you know like the better thing. So right. yeah, I I, th- I think that like just as you're mindful, just start, start where you can, you know, right. start with one thing. I've always believed with that. Start Definitely. with one thing. It can make a big impact. So Definitely. Yeah. With that, so, we'll sign off here. Well, Definitely let us know. No, well, we oh, got to end it like else? a news story. Well, no, actually, no, because we took a take that we messed up on. But yeah, no, we could start it like a, end it like a news story. <laughs> so back, back in to five. You, back to you in the studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> An extremely a forty minute segment just ended. Yes, it's a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, but yeah, as always, let us know your thoughts, um, and we'll talk to you in the next episode.